The issues that matter most, right here. The Drew Mariani Show on Relevant Radio. But what was it that, that made Padre Pio different? Love, forgiveness, the rejection and the pain and the suffering in his heart was the same as that in Jesus. What Padre Pio taught me was how to love those who reject you. The Drew Mariani Show on Relevant Radio. Yeah, that was uh, Monsignor John Essef. He was at a Catholic Renewal Convention several years ago. And he shared a personal story uh, about his encounter with this famed mystic, Padre Pio. Uh, you know, I, I mentioned uh, we were talking about the, the stigmata not too long ago. I think earlier in the week or last week, whatever it was, I talked about St. Francis of Assisi and how he received it, the transverberation of the heart. Padre Pio did the same thing. But Padre Pio was the first, the first Catholic priest in the history of the church to bear these wounds. And um, he's a fascinating character. Today we, we remember him in a special way. Today is his feast day. Um, you know, and I was thinking about him in particular. I don't know if you know this. A little more than, a, than 100 years ago, you know, uh, the world was facing two incredible menaces at the time. If you know your history, what were they? Well, we were going through the second, with the first World War. World War One uh, was raging about a hundred years ago, um, and at the same time, what did we see? Nineteen eighteen, the Spanish flu epidemic. Right? Think of how many people died in that pandemic. They, they estimate somewhere between, and the numbers vary, between fifteen and twenty-two million people died as a result of the war. Okay, just the war, fifteen to twenty-two million. They called it the Great War. Who knew that in the not-too-distant future loomed another world war, right? This was World War I. 15 to 22 million people died. With the, the uh, Spanish flu, the, the great pandemic, the last great pandemic that affected the world, it infected 500 million people. 500 million people. Now, think about how our world population has grown since, since you know, 1918. Think of how many more human beings are right now. So when you lose 500 million people around the world, they estimate somewhere between 50 to 100 million people died, right? 500 million people got the virus, but 50 to 100 million people died. 100 million people. Staggering times. Stunning times. Father Simonetti, who was just on the air with me, he talked about the bubonic plague, the Black Death. And what, two-thirds of the world? I mean, look at some of these numbers. You would think the world is ending. Um, Every era has had its evil, right? Every era has had its trial. Every epoch has had, you know, had 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 its challenges. 1917, 1918, they were terrible years for the world, terrible. That seemed to be on a rampage. And, And fortunately, the war ended. And the flu, of course, it petered out, and, and both left scars all around the planet. There was no doubt about it. If you ever take a look at some of the footage, not just from World War I, but from the, the flu, I, I see caskets lining the streets of Philadelphia. I mean, it's amazing what we've seen in some of these places. There was one man, though, um, who was impacted by both these events, and yet he seemed pretty much un, undisturbed by them. That man was Padre Pio. He had only been ordained in 1910. And 
he was a man of profound holiness. I mean, he already gained a reputation for holiness. By the time the Spanish flu rolled around, um, he was 30 years old. He himself, believe it or not, I don't know if you know this, he contracted the flu. And obviously it was not God's will that he succumbed to it. He survived it. But many people in the town of San Giovanni Rotondo, they they did die. Uh, his friar, friary was located there, and he lost even some of his fellow friars. So the Italian government, they even conscripted some of the friars, can you believe this, to fight in the war. So at one time there were only three monks left, including Padre Pio. A little bit of weird history, but be, because of that, he was already gaining renown for his holiness, and people were writing to him. They were asking him what to do and whether God was judging the world, and that included his own superior. And, and his answers really were quite quite astounding. They, they really were. Um, our times aren't much different, are they? And we just got done talking about the rising darkness and the need to vanquish it with, with, with the light. I think we can learn a lot from, from Padre Pio. During the summer of 1918, Italy was hit particularly hard by the Spanish flu, and they, they had to close schools and, and businesses, and it was a, it was a terrifying time. And, and um, during that time, where do you turn? A lot of people turn to God, right? And I hope that's what we see in our culture today. I really do. I hope they return. That's why our church doors need to be open. You know, I think I think we need. That's why we need relevant radio. That's why we need we need God in times of trial more than ever. A lot of people turn to Padre Pio. They said there's something about holiness that draws people, and and he was he was a saint. He was a future saint. Um, and, and again, his response to this worldwide pandemic is recorded with powerful words of advice, and he gave these to his spiritual children. He had spiritual sons and daughters all over the world. And, um, you know, by, by September, everyone at San Giovanni Rotondo, they, they were ill. The schools were closed. And, you know, one of his spiritual daughters came to him terrified, begging him to save them. And you know what he said? He said to her, he said, never fear. Never fear. Put yourself under the protection of the Virgin. Do not sin. That's Kate. Now, did you hear that? Put yourself under the protection of the Virgin and do not sin. And this sickness will not overcome you. Although one of the daughters did fall ill, none of them died. None of them died. So he, he, he responded to tragedy that surrounded him by, by offering himself as a victim for the world too. I mean, he found, maybe you're suffering from COVID right now. United to that of the Lord. Offer it. It becomes meritorious. Detach yourself from sin. Maybe you've been away from the church for a long time. I invite you to go back to confession. You know, I think with spiritual cleanliness, with a relationship with God, I believe also comes certain protection. I also comes certain grace, even certain healing. Now, I'm not saying just because you go to confession, you're not going to get COVID. That's what I'm saying. But I, I do think, I mean, look at look at Peel. Look at so many others who have somehow, in the grace of God, survived this. I, I think there's there's greater hope when we're united to God. There's greater fear when we're not. You know, Padre Pio, as I said himself, it suffered as a victim of, of the war. He, he offered himself as a victim for the boys of, of the Seraphic College, it was, uh, of which he now served as a principal. And on September 17th, he offered himself as a victim for the end of the influenza. And I think he suffered greatly for this. He was a victim soul. Uh, shortly at, thereafter, after doing this, he received the stigmata of Jesus, the visible signs of Christ's passions, nail marks in his hands, nail marks in his feet. He bore the wounds of Christ on the side. And it just makes me think that whatever is happening in your life right now, 
whatever suffering that you are enduring right now, we should turn to the great St. Padre Pio, who we remember today, who is a man of incredible virtue, heroic virtue, and walk in the shoes and walk in the, the path of advice that he gave, to trust in the Lord, not to give in to fear, not to put ourselves you know, into a, a state of, of fear and anxiety, but rather put yourself under the protection of the Mother of God. Do not sin and trust God. If you do, I guarantee you, you will rise above this, and you will see. Uh, you'll you'll see you'll, you'll you'll see. Pio's advice is just as relevant today. You may not know his story. I thought today would be a great opportunity to introduce you to a saint that I have always loved. Uh, you know, Padre or uh, Father Simonetti was just talking about the the glove of Padre Pio. There was a Catholic priest in Philadelphia that had one, and and whenever he would pray with people with it, and I, and I've held it in my hands. Unbelievable heat would radiate from this. And so many healings have come through the intercession of Padre Pio. I, to, to introduce you to him, and again, if you've got questions or comments or experiences and you want to join me, you can you can call in any time. I've invited the executive director of the National Center for Padre Pio in Bartow, Pennsylvania, Nick Jaboni, to join me today. I, in fact, check this website out. I, I really think you will come to find just a treasure trove of material on this powerhouse saint who... Uh, did battle with Satan, you know, he'd be beaten up by by demons, he w- could see his angel, he could bilocate and levitate and read souls and prophesy, he was a great confessor, I mean, he was a man of, um, he's the, I, I would argue he's probably the greatest m- mystic of the 20th century. Uh, check out PadrePio.org, PadrePio.org, you can go and check it out right now. If you're ever in the Bartow or the Philadelphia area, go and check that out. Nick, good to have you back with me, good afternoon. Hi, Drew. Good to be here. How are you? I am well. I'm hanging in there today and doing much better than I was yesterday. <laughs> and I, I love Padre Pio, this great victim. So, you know, there's a lot of people who have recently found this broadcast or never knew uh, about Padre Pio, the great gifts he had. So I thought maybe, Nick, maybe we could start today just by talking a little bit about who he was, his life, and, uh, and, and the great mystic that he was. Sure. Uh, well, pa- Padre Pio is a relatively recent saint, uh, having died in 1968. He was born in 1887, so he lived to be 81 years old. And uh, it's kind of neat because there is so much, uh, there's video footage of him, there are so many pictures that were taken of him, there's audio recordings of him. Um, and, and so he's this modern saint that has so many charisms, as you mentioned, um, and it, and we're still kind of in touch with them. I mean, you think about it, the Beatles came over in, what, 64? Yep. <laughs> and Padre Pio didn't die until four years later and was 68. very active in his ministry um, up, in, up until the end. So he's someone that we can kind of uh, feel more in, more in touch with, more maybe, maybe more in tune with uh, than some other saints in, in history. Yep. He was a, uh, a Capuchin Franciscan priest, and uh, which was something that he wanted to be. He, uh, he made a, a commitment when he was about five years old uh, that he wanted to be a priest, and then one day a Capuchin priest came around to the house begging for alms, and, and uh, he pointed to him and said, that's what I want to be. I want to be a friar with a beard. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's how he picked the, the Capuchin order, and uh, he lived... Um, 50 years of his life, as, uh, as you said, the, uh, a big, big chunk of his life, and San Giovanni Rotondo, Italy, uh, that 
50-year period, he did bear the wounds of Christ. He had all five marks of Christ, the hands, the feet, the side. In addition to, he also had a shoulder wound, which they learned that he had uh, posthumously. Uh, He also had the crown of thorns, which people could see during Mass. So he's probably most well-known, or people are most attracted to him uh, because of those outward signs that he had that people could see every day. He always took his gloves off when he said the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass. Um, so every day for 50, you know, for 50 years, these were visible, except for a few years when he was uh, asked not to publicly exercise his, uh, his, his priestly ministry. Um, but so he was, uh, so people came from all over the world. Uh, um, the American GIs in World War II uh, came over and saw him, and really they broke the news to the United States of the existence of Padre Pio in uh, in large scale. That's why it became so popular in the United States of America. Um, but all that that I just said, Padre Pio described himself as being just a poor friar who prays. <laughs> but he was certainly a lot more than that to uh, many of us. Yeah, no, no doubt. Uh, you know, yeah, I, I I knew he bore the wounds of Christ. Um, the shoulder wound. Um, you said they, they found that after he passed away? I mean, did he also did he also the flagellations, the scourging of our Lord on his back? And how did they find that how did they find that wound? What what did we what do we know about the wound? Well two two reasons we know about the wound. One was a uh brother who was taking care of him towards the end of his life when he when he but Padre Pio kept it a secret, um, but when he went and he was getting his clothes um, after he died, he went to his cell and was getting the clothes, and he noticed on his nightshirt uh, a stain that was uh, a blood stain that was up on the right shoulder there. And then also um, that same that same brother priest had uh, had visions of it after Padre Pio died. But we also know about it because um, Pope John Paul II. Uh, it was said that before he was Pope John Paul II, when he was Father Carawatia. When he went to confession with him uh, as a young priest, I believe it was 1947, um, Padre Pio revealed to him, uh, he was the only one he revealed that he had this shoulder wound, and it came out during the uh, canonization process. Pope John Paul II had shared that Padre Pio had shared this with him. Wow. So if you've ever met Pio, give me a call. I'd love to hear your story, too. It's 888 914 Yeah, those mystical gifts, of course, got a lot of people's attention, but he had so many other gifts, too. I mean, the way he would celebrate Mass, the way he prayed the rosaries, his encounters and intercessions, his bilocations, absolutely uh, amazing. Uh, Pio, he, he contracted the, the flu, right, in, in 1917, 18, whatever over year it was, um, what advice did he give to those who are going through dark or difficult times right now? Because I know a lot of people are overwhelmed by the circumstances that they're, they're facing right now. I know he would always hold a rosary, uh, and he prayed the rosary every, every day. Um, let's speak to his advice to those who are going through dark or difficult time and how he ultimately, um, you know, what advice he gave to them and, and how important the rosary was to him. Sure. Well, uh, a few things. He was actually treating that the same week that he received the stigmata. Uh, earlier in the earlier in the week, he was treating uh, boys at the minor seminary there. He he was giving injections. Um, him and another priest were giving injections. You know, I guess they were trying to 
build up immunity uh, for the boys. Uh, he was he was certainly very impacted uh, by the Spanish flu. He offered himself, as you said, he offered himself as a victim soul for the end of the Spanish flu. He also offered himself as a victim soul for the end of World War One. But of course, we know the uh, the famous phrase from Padre Pio: "Pray, hope, and don't worry. Trust in the in um, trust in the goodness of Almighty God, the infinite goodness of Almighty God." And uh, one of the one of the spiritual axioms that we have from him, we have a little flyer that we give out. It's it's words of advice from Saint Pio of Pietrelcina, and, and along the same lines, one of them is "Never worry. Anxieties are a waste of time." He says. They befell our good actions because of our lack of confidence in God's concern for us. And uh, what you're talking about with the rosary, of course, Padre Pio called the rosary his weapon uh, against the devil. He would, he would refer to the rosary as his weapon, you know, hand me my weapon. He was always, virtually always, praying right. the rosary around the clock um, and encouraged his uh, spiritual devotees to do the same. That's so beautiful. My, my guest today is Nick Jaboni. Uh, we'll take a few calls, too. If you want to join us, 888 So much to talk about regarding Padre Pio, so much of the mysticism and the gifts that he had. Confession is one of those things I definitely want to get to today. It's such a, so many powerful encounters. Ever. Let me start in Wisconsin. Joseph is joining the conversation. Nick, uh, Joseph, good afternoon. We have a man in our parish that's 95 now. He's a World War II vet. He was in the Italian campaign, <clears throat> and they were fighting battles very near that monastery, yeah. and things went well, and they had a couple days leave, and he and a couple of his Catholic friends hiked up to the monastery, and I'm not quite sure if he met Padre Pio, but he's, he's seen him. And in 1943 or 42 or whatever, uh, that was... Uh, I mean, the world didn't know about Padre Pio yet, at least not the United States. But he's he's seen him. No, that, that's such a cool story, Joseph. Thank you. And that's, as Nick is pointing out, how Padre Pio, the word got to the States. I am sure those those troops probably had an opportunity to, to encounter him. And you, we spoke about World War One. World War Two was another one. Uh, you know, I heard stories that, you know, he'd bilocate. And, and that, if for those who don't know, is the ability to be in two locations at once. He'd be in prayer and let's say, in the chapel or his cell in San Giovanni Rotondo. And, you know, he, somebody would, competent eyewitnesses would see him in, in Rome, or, or they, he'd even bilocate up in the air during World War II. There was an Allied aviator who was flying towards Nazi territory, and suddenly he saw a man in robes in the sky waving him back. And he flew back to the base sometime later, came across this picture of Peel and realized, wait a minute, that's the guy. That's the guy who waved me back. Uh, Nick, there's probably tons of stories like that where he interceded, and San Giovanni Rotondo somehow was miraculously protected, wasn't it, during that war? Yeah, the story, um, a similar story uh, that GIs relate, and uh, last year I met someone who's, uh, whose uncle was uh, loading bombs onto one of these planes, and the, the stories are so, there are so many of them, and you can still meet so many GIs that tell these stories that it's very hard to doubt uh, the veracity uh, of them. One of them is that there was that there were not any um, there were not any munitions that were being hidden or stored in San Giovanni Rotondo, but it was thought that there were. Um, and American or I should say Allied forces uh, were sent up to bomb San Giovanni Rotondo, 
And each time that they would try, a friar appeared in the sky. Uh-huh. They would talk about a varying sizes, but, but waving them off. Uh-huh. Or they would try to drop the bombs, and they could not, and uh, return back. And then finally, um, one of the uh, general went up on the plane, um, experienced the same thing. And when he heard about Padre Pio, went to see Padre Pio, took some men with him, and he walked in, and you know Padre Pio went right up to him, kind of laughed, and said, "Oh, th- there you are. It is you who. So it is you who <laughs> wanted to destroy all of us." You know, the man else. became a uh, a convert, um, oh. and um, yeah, that's one of the more famous bilocation stories. But it just seems there's just too many people that uh, experience that and witness that, it seems, for that not to be true. Yeah, that's true. All right, we'll grab another call or two. Let's go to uh, Millie listening in Wynwood, Pennsylvania. Millie, thanks for calling. Good afternoon. Hi, Drew. It's so great to talk to you, thanks. and I listen to your show often. Thanks. You've really increased my faith. Thank you. Um, so I just wanted to tell you about a friend of mine. Um, he had a brain tumor, and it was very serious, and um, he went through all kinds of procedures and everything. And at one point, uh, he was he was down at Johns Hopkins uh, in Maryland uh, for treatment. And his uh, partner found out that uh, the mantle of Padre Pio was at a church nearby. So uh, they went over to the church and talked to the priest, and the priest um, put the mantle yeah. of Padre Pio on my friend. And uh, to this day, he is free of his brain tumor. Wow. Wow. Praise yeah. God. I love that, Millie. Oh, thank you for sharing yeah, that. really amazing. Th- thank you. And Nick, let's follow up on that. Millie, thanks. Um, what kind of miracles, what kind of healings did we see um, during the life of Padre Pio? I know you, your family had, or the, uh, the Calandras had a, a personal miracle, but... You know, what were the miracles that led to his canonization? What are we seeing today? I know uh, these saints still intercede. I mean, we think just because they're dead that, oh, well, I wish I could have met Padre Pio. I wish I could have asked him to help intercede. Uh, these, they, they probably intercede more powerfully than ever today because they are on the other side of that veil. Uh, let, let's talk about God using this great mystic as an intercessor, both during life and after. Sure. Uh, two of the... Two of the greatest miracles that happened during Padre Pio's lifetime that were well-known and verifiable, one of them was a young lady by the name of Gemma De Giorgio, who was born, an Italian girl who was born with no pupils. And uh, she was, you know, people were just storming heaven with prayers for her. And uh, there was a nun who had a, a dream and a vision of Padre Pio. And Padre Pio said, you know who is this Gemma that is uh, that is um, uh, that the uh, that you know that there's choruses of people that are storming heaven with prayers, and in the nun's dream, uh, Padre Pio blessed Gemma and she was able to see. Well, Gemma, um, fast forward now, not the dream but real life. Gemma's grandmother took her to see Padre Pio, and on the way, on they went by steamship. And on the way, uh, Gemma was able to start to see. She was describing what she was seeing. Uh, she was seeing other ships in the water. And they made it to San Giovanni Rotundo. They went and um, went directly to Padre Pio, went to confession, asked his intercession. And sure enough, what's really interesting about miracles associated with Padre Pio, so Gemma was able to see. Uh, this, was, this was verified 
by ophthalmologists, etc. But she never developed pupils. So she was able to have this miracle of vision without her eyes physically changing, at least to, wow. um, you know, to those who examined her. Unbelievable. Um, wow. And she traveled around. She told her story. There's pictures of her. You can see her with no pupils, and there's lots of evidence that, wow. uh, that she could see. So that's a, well, yeah. that, that's a famous one while she was alive. Another was, was a gentleman named Giovanni Savino. Yeah, yeah, hold on to that one. That, that's a great story. I'm familiar with sure. that one because well, I have to take a break when we come back. But two things that really struck me here. One, the power of intercessory prayer. You know, all these prayers storming heaven. God hears them. We see the fruit of it. And then secondly, nothing's impossible with God. Even without pupils, God can give someone the ability to see. Today we're looking at an extraordinary man, St. Padre Pio. He's one of the greatest mystics of the 20th century, getting you plugged in to the power of intercession, his intercession, and the communion of the saints. Stay with me. Catholic Order of Foresters is proud to sponsor the Relevant Radio Studio line. For information about employment opportunities and flexible premium life insurance plans, visit relevantradio.com slash forester. big point I want to say about his life is his experience of persecution, both outside the church and within the church. Once the rumors start spreading about this, this holy monk in the hills of Italy, people start flocking. People from the town are, are you know, coming to see him regularly. People from outside cities are, are making the trip to visit this holy monk with the stigmata. And naturally, that starts to stir up some jealousy some frustration, people saying it's a hoax, people are writing the Vatican saying this uh, friar is lying, this he's contriving this, and so he becomes suppressed. He's not allowed to do ministry publicly, he's not allowed to say mass publicly, and he endures this. He endures this cross, this cross of misunderstanding. Padre Pio, in obedience and submission to Christ, receives the the misunderstanding receives the negativity and for three years has to celebrate mass uh, privately, cannot do public ministry, and eventually the truth comes out that again, this stigmata is real, His Holiness is well accounted for by those who come forward and testify on his behalf and he eventually is allowed to resume public ministry. And lastly, it's the, the sheer amount of miracles and the manifestation of the Holy Spirit that Padre Pio brought to the world. And you see, again, it's not hard to be a saint. It's just, it requires us to go all in. And most of us, we go kind of in, we go half in. But when a, when a man or woman goes all in for the Lord, that the blurring of heaven and earth happens. Miracles start to take place. Prayer is more effective than you could ever imagine. And figures like Padre Pio show us that this is the truth. The Drew Mariani Show on Relevant Radio. That was Bobby Angel talking about his favorite Saint Padre Pio today, the great feast of Padre Pio. And you know, I was struck by what he said. I, there, there's something there that just, I don't know, it, it pierced me in this respect. You know, Pio, like many of the great saints, one of the great virtues that they exemplified is not just humility, right? It's obedience. It's obedience. It takes a humble soul to be obedient, right? But he was not allowed to say Mass publicly for 10 years. When his fellow friars would start to talk bad about how, you know, he was unjustly being censured like that, he, he would chastise them. 
He never, even though he was completely innocent, never once ever tried to vindicate himself. I'm sure he prayed for the person who did him wrong. And I think about so many priests today who are angry at their bishops, so many priests today who are angry over this or over that. You know, sometimes the Lord tests our, our obedience. Sometimes the Lord tests our humility. And my heart goes out to any priest who's been unjustly accused and things along those lines. Certainly, you know that. We need to pray for them. Justice, I think, always prevails. When you're humble, you put your faith and your trust in God, God will vindicate you. He'll allow truth to come to the surface. Look at St. Faustina's devotion. Look at Divine Mercy, right? Divine Mercy was banned. The fastest grassroots devotion in the history of the Catholic Church was banned. It was banned. Father Sapochko, blessed Sapochko, on his way to sainthood, he never saw that ban overturned. But he obediently followed the, the prescription of the church. You know, and, and you take a look at all these saints. I can give you countless examples of saints who remained faithful and obedient, who remained humble. And Pio exemplified that. If you're just joining me, I'm speaking today with Nick Jaboni, and um, he hails, of course, from the uh, National Center for Padre Pio in Bartow, Pennsylvania. And I hope you'll, you'll check this site out. It's, it's well worth it. Uh, we're talking today about Padre Pio. He's the saint today, and he's one of my favorites. He is a powerhouse saint. Saints like this draw people's attention, right? Because he had extraordinary spiritual gifts. He, he had not just these incredible wounds of Christ that he carried, but he had spiritual gifts and, and charisms, including the gift of healing, many healings. And we were talking about that with, with Nick just a, a moment ago uh, about a young girl who had, was born with no pupils and could not see. And through the power of intercession and the prayers of the faithful, and Padre Pio, this girl was given vision even though she never had any pupils. Can you imagine looking at this girl with no pupils? Look her up. You'll see her online, you know, going around, no pupils, yet she could see it defies, it defies scientific explanation. It does. But there are many cases of healing. And, and Nick, there's another one, one that I love because, you know, I, I've heard of these cases before. They're hard to get your head around. But clearly with God, all things are possible. Maybe you can share that other story with everyone. Sure, there's a young man by the name of Giovanni Savino, and Giovanni was friendly with Padre Pio. He went to daily mass in the uh, chapel in San Giovanni Rotondo, and uh, suddenly for a few days after mass, Padre Pio would come up to Giovanni and grab him and say, uh, take heart, it's going to be okay. Be strong, you know, several days in a row. Uh, and finally on the third day he said, uh, be brave. Uh, don't worry, you will not die. And that was all. So imagine, <laughs> you, know, you know Padre Pio, uh, you know the spiritual gifts that he, he, he has, you have a relationship with him, and here he's telling you, don't worry, because you will not die. So the poor guy must have been scared to death, but he was a construction worker, and sure enough, uh, there, was a, there, uh, there was an accident, a dynamite accident, and his face was badly damaged, and both of his eyes were badly damaged. One eye was completely decimated, um, and the other one was very badly damaged as well. And uh, after he went into the hospital, um, Padre Pio gave pa Padre Pio healed his eyes. But again, kind of like the Gemma de Giorgio story, where she could see but she had no pupils, his eyes were not restored to to look uh, healthy. And actually, the eye that was less damaged 
he never he never got his eyesight back in. But the eye that was completely decimated yeah. was the eye that had he had vision in. So weird. Uh, his vision was fully restored in it. Uh, there was absolutely no explanation for it. Was well documented. He was very well known in San Giovanni Rotundo. Uh, plenty of eye doctors looked at him, uh, and he was he had that vision in that eye that was completely decimated for the rest of his life. Wow, I, I love it. The stories absolutely they inspire me, and they should inspire anybody who's praying for that miracle in their life. I mean, God can really do anything. And call upon St. Patrick Pio, whose feast day it is today. Let's grab another call or two. If you want to get in with us, uh, again, I'm speaking with Nick Jaboni, and you can uh, join us. We're, we've got a few minutes left here. Uh, the number's 888-914-9149. It's always good to hear from you. Ronnie's been waiting, listening in Austin, Texas. Hi, Ronnie. Hi, Drew. Uh, thank you for taking my call. It's good to venerate Padre Pio. Um, I wanted to say that my uncle was in Chicago and was with a priest who gave him a relic of Padre Pio's glove, and he, he passed it on to me because I was in prayer ministry for 20 years and still in divine mercy ministry for 30 years. And I was reading a book on Padre Pio, and um, I said, Padre Pio, will you please be my spiritual father? Because I need you if I'm going to serve. And a, a few days later, I had a dream, and I saw a monk walking across a rolling field, like hills, and he came closer and closer, and I thought, well, who is that? You know, he's got gray hair and a beard. And then I woke up and opened my eyes, and Padre Pio, my opinion, um, was standing at my bedside, and I did not, I was not afraid, but I felt peace that he will intercede for all the prayer requests that come through, wow. and uh, I thank you, Drew. Ronnie, I thank you. That's that's a great story, and Nick, let's pick it up on that, because Pio uh, never left San Giovanni Rotondo, and, and yet competent eyewitnesses have seen him in prayer at the Vatican and other places. Um did he appear to people in dreams? Did he communicate to people outside the borders of that small Italian town? Uh, to tell us a little bit about that ability to be in, in other locations where eyewitnesses claim that he interceded. Sure. So as you said earlier, a phenomenon known as bilocation. And so sometimes he would appear to people in dreams, uh, but oftentimes he would appear to people in person. And we have reputable sources of people. One of the more well-known bilocations, uh, Padre Pio had a devotion to St. Teresa of Lucia, the Little Flower, and he was seen at her canonization mass in Rome, even though he never left the friary in San Giovanni Rotondo. He was seen by some well-known uh, church prelates and others. Um, he was known to bilocate to the bedside of dying people, sometimes people who... People had been praying for their uh, conversion, that they were atheists or Freemasons, uh, people that hated the church, and people were known to have bedside conversions because of his bilocation to them. Sometimes it was for serious reasons, uh, sometimes for not-so-serious reasons. We know of uh, one occasion that is recorded in the uh, friary documents there that he appeared and gave a toddler in town a piece of candy. And mom came, mom, and she, and mom asked, uh, 
who gave you that piece of candy uh, from from the crib? He said, Padre Pio, Padre Pio. And she went the next morning uh, to his mass afterwards and said, did you give my child a piece of candy? And he said, yeah. And what's the matter? Do you want some too? <laughs> <laughs> so, so we have we have very right. serious reasons for by location, and then we have some uh, more lighthearted ones as well. But plenty of corroboration on this. Yeah, that that is so awesome. All right, well, let's grab a few more calls. Triple eight nine one four nine one four nine. Karen in Milwaukee. You've been waiting a long time. Good afternoon. Hey, thanks for taking my phone call. I was just interested to know if Padre Pio had any commentary on the Divine Mercy message and or about the times we're living in now. I'll hang up and, and listen to your answer. Thank you very much, Karen, for that question. Um, Nick, I'm going to throw that to you. I'm not aware. Uh, I know that there were some seers in the 60s that claimed that Padre Pio ended up, um, you know, um, giving messages to, to them. But, of course, Faustina died in 1938. Visions of the Lord happened in, in you know, the 30s there to, to St. Faustina. But he was alive then at that time. You know, a lot of great saints were alive at the same time. St. John Paul II, Maximilian Colby. You take a look at the 20th century and the, the incredible saints that, that roamed the earth at that time. Uh, and can, you, uh, can you speak to that? I'm not sure. You're the expert on Pio. Uh, any connection sure. to, to Faustina or Divine Mercy? If he knew about it, uh, people have this idea that, that Padre Pio, I mean, yes, he was a great mystic, but that he kind of was all-knowing about, about everything, right. which does not seem to be the case. But if he knew about it, it was not something that he talked about. Yeah. That's, that's about the most direct and, 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 and simple answer. That's We've, well said. Uh, come across that before. Uh, in terms of the, the end times, probably is, this is probably a good time to try to put a myth, a myth to bed that's seems that it will not die. Yep. Um, Padre Pio, there's a lot of things on the internet that talk about Padre Pio and the three days of darkness. Yes, and yes. Padre Pio did not talk about the three days of darkness. Um, and uh, that, that's confirmed by his brother Friars and Friary Records as well. That is not something that, that is misattributed to Padre Pio. Uh, he really did not talk much about the end time. Let me ask you to clear something else up for me, because I'm not sure whether it's a true story or, or not. I'd heard that there was a, a young cardinal at the Second Vatican Council, I, I think, or maybe he, was, maybe he was just studying in Rome at the time. Uh, maybe he was a priest at the time. It was Carol Votiwa. You know, who would later become Pope John Paul II. And there's a story that he went to San Giovanni and met Padre Pio, and Pio knelt down and kissed his hand and said that he would one day be Pope. Now, I, I hope I'm remembering that accurately. It's been, and maybe it's not a true story at all, but what do you know about an encounter between these two great saints? Sure. So we know that, uh, we know that Pope John Paul II went to confession with Padre Pio while he was Father Rotia. Um, this story is. If the story is true, then what we know about it was, and it was, uh, it was an archbishop, and I'm sorry, I don't remember the name, who relayed this story. So it's a secondhand story, so we can't fully corroborate it. Uh, but he said that uh, Pope John Paul II told him that Padre Pio said to Father Watia that one day he would ascend to the highest rank in the church. And according to the archbishop, when, uh, when he became Cardinal Watia, he assumed that the prophecy had been fulfilled. He never imagined that he would actually become Pope one day, but we know that he did. So, uh, so that's, there's a pretty good amount of reliability uh, to, to that story, but we can't confirm it 100%. That's fascinating. All right, well, let me do this. We're going to take a quick pause. When we come back, we'll take uh, a few more of your calls. 
share some more of the incredible life and legacy of St. Padre Pio, from the miraculous healings that have taken place to the bilocation, to many of the things that just physically, physiologically baffled doctors about him. Whatever happened to the wounds of Christ when he died? Were they examined? Is he incorrupt? Lots of questions. We'll answer those and more. We'll right answer this. Catholic Order of Foresters is proud to sponsor the Relevant Radio Studio line. For information about employment opportunities and flexible premium life insurance plans, visit relevantradio.com slash Forrester. The Drew Mariani Show on Relevant Radio. I love that. Yeah, we are family. You know, we are part of uh, the church militant and the church triumphant Padre Pio, right? We're, we're part of that communion of saints. I hope you're a saint. I hope you're working on your sanctity. I'm working on mine. I hope to be perfectly united with God one day. And I know Padre Pio clearly um, is one of those, those men who had one foot in heaven and one foot in here on earth. He lived between those two two realms. He was a man, if you're just joining me, who had extraordinary gifts, spiritual gifts, charisms, physical gifts. Uh, he included the gift of healing, a bilocation, a prophecy, a miracles. They abounded. I have a phone a board full of calls of people who said, I've been healed, I've been cured by a relic of Padre Pio. He had the discernment of spirits. That's a whole nother conversation. He had the ability to abstain beyond man's natural powers, both from sleep and from food, from nourishment. One of his incredible gifts is the ability to read hearts or to read souls, to know, you know, to, to, he had to get the tongues, the ability to speak and understand languages that he had never studied. He had the gift of conversions, the, the grace of being able to see his angel, the, uh, being able to see angelic beings in form. And he also had this other Gift, this odor of sanctity, this fragrance that emanated from the wounds that he bore, those crucified wounds of Christ that he were he was given. He'd lose a pint of blood a day. You know, when a friend once questioned him about these charisms, Padre Pio said, you know something? They're a mystery to me too. You know, he received more than his share of spiritual gifts. He never sought them. He, he never felt worthy of them. He never put the gifts before the giver, who was God. He always remained humble. He always remained completely at the disposal of our of Almighty God. You know, there's so much to talk about. I could probably do three hours on this with you today. I'll share one quick story I had heard. It really speaks to some of these gifts. There was a story of a young man who was an agnostic, right? He, he wasn't he either didn't believe in God or, or kind of denied the existence of God. I, I don't know. Uh, wasn't sure about God. He went to San Giovanni to satisfy his mother. You know, his mom made him go. And Padre Pio came out of the monastery, took one look at him, and he said, Be gone, Satan. Like, snap. <laughs> what? Right? The, the story's told uh, of a woman who went to confession to him, right? But he wouldn't grant her absolution. And he told her to go and pray a decade of the rosary before coming back to him. And she did. And still he wouldn't grant absolution to her. He said, pray an entire rosary. 
She did that, and finally he said to her in confession, because he could read hearts, he said, don't you realize he could have been a priest? In other words, she had an abortion that she was not confessing. That's the power, the spiritual gifts that this man had. And that's just one of the countless encounters he had in confession. Uh, People would line up for forever to come and to have him hear their confession. I'd be a little intimidated, to be honest with you. He knew what you were holding back. He knew what you weren't confessing, what you weren't telling. He he was an extraordinary, extraordinary man. I'm joined today by uh, somebody who can get you plugged into more information. If if you're intrigued by Padre Pio and you want to learn more, you can always go to my podcast, go to relevantradio.com, do a search. Maggie will put this show up probably about an hour after we're off and, and share it with others. Listen to the whole hour. It's well worth listening. It's hour three of today's broadcast. Or go to this website. Go to PadrePio.org. Okay, PadrePio.org. Nick Jaboni is the executive director of the National Center for Padre Pio in Bartow, Pennsylvania. He's got a million stories to share. He joins me once again today. And, and, and Nick, I'm grateful for your service and for what you do there at the center. I hope if somebody wants to take a pilgrimage or they're in the Philadelphia area, you go and you check that out. It's well worth the visit. Um, but let's talk confession for a moment. It's something that Satan hates because it liberates and frees us from his snares and from his grip. Peel would spend so many hours in confession, like like the cure of ours. Uh, give us a little insight into Peel, into the power of confession, and some of the encounters he had. Sure, Padre Pio, definitely his, the mainstay of his ministry consisted of uh, praying Mass, which would often take a few hours for a daily Mass, and hearing confessions. And he heard confessions of both men and women. Um, might sound funny to say, but at the time in, in the Friary, they were in, in different locations. Um, he would hear confessions a minimum of four hours a day, but more often on average upwards of 11 to 13 hours a day he would spend in the confessional. That's how important it was to him. And as you said, uh, people would wait a very long time to have confession with Padre Pio. There was a lottery system in place uh, for a number of years. And he was known to be a very uh, gentle, I think a lot of people, myself included, like, like you said, oh my gosh, I would be scared to go to confession to him. Um, but he was known to be a very uh, gentle confessor to even the most hardened of, of sinners, uh, people with the greatest sins, as long as the, you know, they were sincerely trying to confess. There were you know, uh, some journalists and skeptics and people that would come in that would try to trick him because they you know, heard that he could read hearts and things and see if he could know. And those people he would kick out of the confessional. He was not... He was not very uh, gentle with them if people were not, you know, were not sincere. But it is said that no matter how hardened a sinner you were um, and how, how grave your sins were, as long as you were sincere, he was very, very gentle. He was a wonderful confessor. Wow. All right, let's grab another call or two. We only have a few moments. Uh, Hatboro, Pennsylvania. Jane, good afternoon. Uh, good afternoon, Drew. It's wonderful to talk with you. Uh, I have a sweet story about my mother. I'm 91 now, and wow. this happened in the uh, mid-80s. And uh, we didn't know, had never heard of Padre Pio, but a wonderful neighbor, Mary Cannon, called, and she said, uh, in a private home in Shalfont, a Capuchin monk was there with a relic. Would I like to go and bring my mother? And I said, oh, we'd be delighted. 
and we went, and there was a line, and uh, we uh, you know, kissed the relic or touched the relic. But when it got to my mother, who this uh, no one knew that my grandmother who had the relic, that she had hardening of the arteries of the brain, and that it was progressing. She was having busy spells and had an MRI. So uh, when uh, we left, she said, I I felt so peaceful, Jane. She said, uh, when he touched me, why did he touch me three times on the head? And I said, I had no idea. So we went home, and about two months later, Mother went for another MRI, and the doctor came out. And here's the delightful part of the story. <laughs> he said, Marie, that my mother's name, he said, you now have the blood flow of a 35-year-old woman. Wow. Her, mid, her mid-70s, oh. so she was completely cured of arteriosclerosis. Oh, I love so it. I, we, we've been in love with Padre ever since, and we often visit uh, Bartos, my mother passed yeah. on some years ago, but I'm she sorry. lived, you know, about ten or twelve years after that. And, uh, Jane, thank you. Always thank, thank you thank for God. calling <laughs> and, and sharing that so so well. Um, and and you sound so young for ninety one. You sound vibrant and and wonderful. If you, I know her phone was breaking up a little, but I'll just summarize very quickly what she said. Her mother had the hardening of the of the arteries in the brain; it was getting worse, and um, they had this encounter with this relic of Padre Pio and. Completely and totally healed. Nick, I only have a couple moments left. I wish we could talk about how Padre Pio celebrated the Mass. Uh, before we conclude, though, his, his stigmata, he was known for it. One, is he incorrupt? There was some talk about that. But what happened to the wounds that he had after he died? Uh, he is not incorrupt, <clears throat> uh, but the, there's a beautiful mask that a lot of people see there. Many people think that he is incorrupt, but he is not incorrupt. Um, Oh, and his, his stigmata, about six months before he died, it slowly started to dissipate. Wow. And, um, and then days before he died, I, I want to say like six days before he died, uh, it completely disappeared and healed. And what's amazing was, even though people saw, you know, daily mass, 50 years, uh, people saw the, could clearly see the stigmata because he had his gloves off during mass. And you could see the, it was very, you know, very painful, a lot of uh, the, the crusting. You would think it would be scarred so bad. But upon examination, when he died, there was no signs of scarification of any kind, uh, perfectly smooth on his, uh, his hands, his feet, you know, everywhere that there had been a stigmata. Well, Nick, thank you. I mean, we could talk so much what happened during his mass and so many of the other gifts that he had and his encounters with angels and purgatorial souls. I'll have to spend more time with you. Stay tuned. Coming up, more conversation on Padre Pio with Kale Timory. Also, we'll have Archbishop Cordelione on, I, I understand, and his family had an encounter. So, if you want to stay tuned, you'll get plugged into that. Check out Nick Jaboni. He is Executive Director of the National Center for Padre Pio in Bartow, Pennsylvania. Great resource for you, PadrePio.org. Until we talk again, may God bless you.